bit of warning before we begin this episode. Normally, we are very PG, if not G, on this podcast, but I do have a language warning for today's episode. Listener discretion advised. We do say the word nards. Hey there, true believers, and welcome to a chilling, thrilling episode of One to Grow On. I'm your host, Wayne Cordova, your pop culture pumpkin head on this terrifying time-traveling journey. As the leaves change and the full moon illuminates the night, I've got just the treat for your retro-craving hearts, and no candy checks are required. All right, time travelers, hold on to your trick-or-treat bags, because this week we're plunging back into the spellbinding 80s to unearth a ghoulishly delightful cinematic treat, the Monster Squad. Imagine this, a band of plucky kids armed with walkie-talkies and sheer bravery standing up against iconic monsters like Count Dracula, Wolfman, Gillman, and The Mummy. It's like the Universal Monsters threw a block party and everyone was on the guest list. Pure 80s magic. So, grab that flashlight and maybe a garlic necklace just in case. And let's dive into this fantastic journey back in time and dig deep into the crypt of the Monster Squad. Once upon a time, it was one monster per movie. Those were the good old days. We're the Monster Squad. Oh. Only one way to kill a werewolf. The Monster Squad, rated PG-13. The Monster Squad is a 1987 cult classic horror comedy film directed by Fred Decker and co-written by Decker and Shane Black. The story revolves around a group of young friends who, inspired by their love for classic monster movies, must join forces to save their town from a group of legendary monsters led by Count Dracula. The film begins when an ancient amulet capable of opening a portal to limbo is discovered by Abraham Van Helsing while battling Count Dracula. Van Helsing narrowly escapes, but the amulet is lost. Fast forward to the 1980s, and the amulet has come into the possession of a group of kids who are obsessed with monsters and horror. Sean forms the Monster Squad, which includes his friends Patrick, Horace, Eugene, and Rudy. Unbeknownst to the squad, Count Dracula has returned and is determined to retrieve the amulet to unleash evil forces upon the world. Dracula resurrects iconic monsters such as the Mummy, Wolfman, Gillman, who is the creature from the Black Lagoon, and Frankenstein's monster to aid him in his quest. The Monster Squad learns of Dracula's plan, and with the help of the mysterious, scary German guy, they must decipher Van Helsing's diary and find a way to stop the monsters before they take over the world. As the squad battles the supernatural creatures, they forge an unlikely friendship with Frankenstein's monster, who ultimately helps them in the climactic showdown against Dracula and his monstrous minions. The Monster Squad was directed by Fred Decker and co-written by Decker and Shane Black. The film was produced by Peter Hyams and Rob Cohen. 
Initially, the project faced several challenges in getting off the ground. Shane Black, known for his work on Lethal Weapon, pitched the idea to Universal Studios as a potential blockbuster horror comedy. However, Universal declined the project, saying that they already had a children's monster movie in the works, referring to The Goonies. Despite the setback, Shane Black and Fred Decker were determined to bring their vision to life. They persevered, and the script eventually found its way to TriStar Pictures. The studio greenlit the project, and the production began. The film featured a young cast of relative unknowns, many of whom were making their acting debuts. The special effects and makeup for the classic monsters were created by Stan Winston, adding a touch of authenticity to these characters. Upon its release in 1987, the Monster Squad was met with mixed reviews and performed poorly at the box office. However, over the years, it has gained a dedicated cult following, becoming a classic among fans of 80s cinema and horror. Its resurgence can be attributed to its availability on home video and streaming platforms, which introduced the film to new generations. The Monster Squad has since thrived as a nostalgic gem celebrated for its blend of horror, adventure, and reverence for classic movie monsters. The film's enduring popularity led to special screenings, merchandise, and even documentaries exploring its cultural impact. The Monster Squad stands as a testament to the power of fan-driven appreciation, proving that some films find their audience long after their release. See you later, Band-Aid breath. I didn't see the Monster Squad right away in theaters. In fact, I only have memories of the trailer when it first came out. And I just remember thinking, this movie looks really cool, but it was wrapped up in the summer of 1987 that had a ton of great films in it. I mean, like there was a lot of movies that came out, I remember in, in summer of 1987 that kind of had me, had me a little bit busy that year. That was my fifth grade year, my fifth grade summer. And uh, I just, I remember still being freshly new to Miami after having moved from Belleville, New Jersey down to Miami, I still remember being new, being that new kid, having that summer and a lot of movie watching happening during that time. But the one thing that got me about Monster Squad was the trailer and the trailer on the on, on the screen. It was it was one of those movies that just it, it was quotable before you even got to see the movie, because, of course, in the trailer in the movie, um, you hear the famous line where the Wolfman's there and you got everybody you know fighting and then all of a sudden you hear kick them in the nards kick them in the nards and then you hear um horace go you know wolfman don't have nards and then he's like kick them in the nards and then finally he kicked them and then they go whoa wolfman got nards and i just remember that being the phrase that you just took with you now to school after you know watching the trailer and seeing the commercial but oddly enough not seeing the movie in the movie theater that was a busy summer we had robocop uh, Can't Buy Me Love came out the same weekend. The Masters of the Universe movie came out the weekend before. Now, I'm actually pretty sure that I saw Masters of the Universe, you know, either when it came out or the weekend after it came out. So that would have tied up uh, Monster Squad for me. And yes, I went to see Dirty Dancing, and that was just the next week after that. So <laughs> it's just one of those things where um, one way or the other, you know, I was going to be busy that summer. Some of the other stuff that came out was Predator. Also came out that summer, uh, Summer School, The Lost Boys, Disorderlies, because come on, it was the Fat Boys, and you know, that was a good movie. La Bamba, No Way Out, The Living Daylights, that was 
the Timothy Dalton James Bond film. And I mean, like with, with all of those movies coming out all around that time, it just got buried. And I think it was a little bit too far away from Halloween, you know, for me. But I, I get that. A lot of Halloween movies kind of come out at the end of the summer for some reason. And I totally get that. But yeah, I didn't end up seeing Monster Squad until way later. And I clearly remember the first time I saw it. The first time I ever saw the Monster Squad in of all places was my after school program at elementary school. I remember at the time, the way the schedules work for school and all that was I, you know, in, in Miami, Miami is a big sparse, like a big spread out area, right? So my mom worked at a hospital and my elementary school was not really like around the corner from it. So after school, I went to an after school program just that was still at school and you could do your homework there. You could play games there. Uh, there was a lot of garbage pail kid trading going on at this after school program. Uh, there was a lot of uh, outdoor sports that I was not into because I'm very much an indoor kid. And so because I was an indoor kid, <laughs> um, I decided to stay in that day because my after school director had a HBO recorded copy of the movie, The Monster Squad. And I was in. I was like, yes, let's watch this movie. And so I remember being at that elementary school in uh, Sunset Park Elementary School and watching in the after school program, this movie about the monsters. And it was the full on movie. It was the full HBO version of the Monster Squad. And I fell in love with this movie's depiction of Frankenstein's monster. I just thought this sweet, kind hearted, giant monster helping Phoebe was just the coolest thing. And I always preferred that version of it. So where anywhere I can see a happy, smiling Frankenstein's monster, I'm, I'm in. And by the way, that's the name of the monster, Frankenstein's monster. It's not Frankenstein. It's Frankenstein's monster. Let's just clear that up. Do I slip sometimes? Sure. But that version of that monster was always one of my favorites. And I just, I, I, the whole idea of all of these universal monsters, because that's kind of what they are, right? Even though they had all these cool costumes and they had like a variation of their look, these monsters are the monsters, right? The mummy, the wolfman, Gilman, who is clearly supposed to be the creature from the Black Lagoon, and you had to make him look a little bit different. And by the way, the whole reason why uh, we have Predator looking the way that Predator did is because of the work that was done on this film for Gilman. And you have all these characters, all these monsters in one shot, that kind of stuff, that type of crossover appeal always gets me. One of the things that I love in Halloween movies, in, in these universal monster movies, is when they cross over, when they share their universe. One of my favorite all-time movies during the Halloween season is watching Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. The name of the movie is misleading. Because they don't just meet Frankenstein. In this movie, you have Dracula, the Wolfman, Frankenstein's monster, and you get a little cameo of the Invisible Man at the end of it. So these universal monsters in one setting, in one space, is pretty awesome. And so I love, I love seeing that first off, and then kind of seeing the dynamic of Dracula in his, you know, in his element. And it just kind of reminds me of just this what happens when people band together whether it's 
whether it's all the bad guys all at once, like with the Super Friends and the Legion of Doom, or all the good guys banding together all at once, you know, just like the Monster Squad do. It's just a cool thing, kind of seeing that whole story come together. And then I realized that even though I love this movie, I could not get a hold of this movie for a very long time. We had no access to HBO at that time. I just remember that stage of TV watching. We didn't have HBO. I had it when I was younger, but I didn't have it. When we soon moved to Miami, it was, you know, I just kind of remember not having access to it. And then um, I even finding anybody that carried the tape, like a video store that carried the VHS copy, that was rare and I couldn't get it. It wasn't a popular movie at the time. And I eventually had to get a copy of a copy of a TV recording of the film if I was going to enjoy it. So I remember getting that and kind of being able to watch that a couple of times. And it was basically a copy that a friend had recorded. And remember when you would put two VCRs next to each other and you connect them with the cord and you basically you play the movie because that's how you had to record it too. You had to play the movie on one TV and hit record on this other VCR and hope that it recorded two hours later. Then you could check that tape to see if the tape actually worked. It wasn't like as easy as hitting copy or duplicate or control V or anything like that. You literally had to sit there and hope that the other tape was recording the movie correctly and then taking it out and then checking it to make sure that it worked. And it wasn't, I, I didn't have a tape duplicator. Other people didn't, you know, and we were in fifth grade, people, fifth grade. Um, and so I just remember quoting the movie more than I ever had a chance to watch the movie growing up if that makes sense, calling the mummy Band-Aid Breath, you know, uh, you know, bogus from, you know, talking about Frankenstein's monster, just being, I mean, it's a really quotable movie. There's a lot of quotes in that movie that are problematic and don't translate well to 2023. You have to kind of watch them with 1987 goggles, okay? And, you know, not every line in the movie is something that I endorse, but this movie, as a kid, I just remember being so excited to finally see it in the confines of this after-school program where I did not want to play dodgeball and get hit in the head. I wanted to stay indoors and watch this film, and I requested it often. We only got to see it a couple of times within those confines, especially when they discovered the language that was in the movie. But man, the Monster Squad has a very special place in my heart. And now that it's finally showed up in like Blu-ray and streaming, and everybody has it regularly available to them, it's become this classic. It's become this thing that people watch on a regular basis, that people are big fans of. And I totally endorse that. I am so behind that because it's a fun movie that deserves to be viewed, that deserves to be enjoyed. And now that we've traveled out of the 80s and into the 2020s, um, I'm so happy that it is readily available for people to make it part of their regular viewing. So, uh, just so happy uh, that the Monster Squad is available for generations and generations to come. We're the Monster Squad. From the black lagoon, we need silver bullets, we need wooden sticks, normal 
We wanted to do something a little different for everybody in these bonus episodes. We wanted to share with you a top five, since Monster Squad is what really ignited my love for Frankenstein's monster. I wanted to bring to you my top five variations of Frankenstein's monster. Number five, Herman Munster from the Munsters. Herman Munster is the patriarch of the Munster family in the iconic 1960s sitcom, The Munsters. He closely resembles Frankenstein's monster with this familiar flat top head, prominent forehead, and bolts on his neck. And despite his fearsome appearance, Herman is kind-hearted, often naive, and somewhat childlike. He's a devoted husband to Lily and a loving father to Eddie. The series frequently uses Herman's monstrous appearance as a comedic contrast to his gentle and often bumbling nature. The humor of the Munsters often revolves around the family's failure to realize that they're different from their neighbors, with Herman's well-intentioned actions leading to comedic misunderstandings. Number four, Frankenstein Jr. Frankenstein Jr. is a character from the animated series Frankenstein Jr. and the Impossibles, which aired in the late 1960s. The show was produced by Hanna-Barbera. Frankenstein Jr. is a massive 30-foot-tall robot built by a scientist named Professor Conroy for his son Buzz. Unlike the traditional monstrous portrayal of Frankenstein's monster, Frankenstein Jr. is a friendly and heroic character. With the push of a button on a ring he wears, Buzz can summon Frankenstein Jr. to fight various villains and monsters that threaten their city. The robot has a variety of gadgets and abilities he uses to defeat his foes. The series combined elements of the classic Frankenstein story with superhero and sci-fi themes aimed at a younger audience. Number 3. Frankie from the Groovy Ghoulies Frankie's a character from the animated series Groovy Ghoulies, which aired in the early 1970s. Frankie's a hip and comedic version of Frankenstein's monster. In Groovy Ghoulies, a variety of classic monsters, including Dracula, the Wolfman, and the Mummy, are portrayed in a lighthearted and goofy manner, and they all live together in Horrible Hall. Frankie, with his iconic bolts and stitched-up appearance, is one of the main characters of the show. He, along with the other monsters, often get involved in slapstick antics and musical numbers. The show is known for its catchy tunes and whimsical approach to the classic monster characters. Frankie in this iteration is far from scary and instead depicted as a fun-loving and friendly character. Number 2. Frankenstein's Monster in the DC Comics Universe In the DC Comics Universe, Frankenstein's Monster, often simply referred to as Frankenstein, is reimagined as a tragic anti-hero and a member of the Creature Commandos. He first appeared in the 1940s, but was revitalized in the 2000s, particularly in Grant Morrison's Seven Soldiers of Victory series. Armed with a massive sword and a gun, this version of Frankenstein is a far cry from the lumbering creature of Mary Shelley's novel. He's an articulate, intelligent warrior who battles evil forces, often on behalf of the covert government agency Shade, Superhuman Advanced Defense Executive. 
Frankenstein's character in the DC universe incorporates elements from the classic novel, presenting him as both a monster and a deeply introspective being, searching for purpose and grappling with his own identity. Over the years, he has been a part of various storylines, sometimes teaming up with other DC heroes or facing threats both earthly and cosmic. And number one, Frankenstein's monster in the movie, The Monster Squad. Come on, what did you think? In The Monster Squad, Frankenstein's monster is one of the several classic monsters that appear in the film. However, unlike some of his more menacing creatures, he befriends a group of children who form the titular Monster Squad. Dracula, seeking to control the world with the magical amulet, revives the monster and other creatures to assist him. While initially working with the villains, Frankenstein's monster's gentle nature emerges when he meets and befriends the young members of the Monster Squad, particularly the little girl named Phoebe. This portrayal of the monster highlights his tragic and misunderstood nature, emphasizing that beneath his monstrous appearance, he possesses a kind and human heart. Over the course of the film, he becomes an ally to the Monster Squad as they seek to thwart Dracula's evil plans. There you have it, folks. My top five variations of the Frankenstein's monster. Up next is one to grow on. Kick him in the nose! Kick him in the nose! Kick him in the nose! Go in, go in! Wolfman's got nards! Monster Squad wasn't just a film about creepy creatures. It was a story of friendship, unity, and finding common ground in the most unexpected places. Now, think about that group for a second. They weren't your typical group of friends. You had the nerdy kid, the cool kid, the younger ones just trying to fit in, and yet even a couple of monsters thrown into the mix. They were all different, but they had one thing in common, a love for monsters. But as they discovered, it's not just about shared interests that bind a group together. It's the unique strengths, the perspectives, and even the quirks that each individual brings. This is the beauty of life. We're drawn to those who share passions, but it's our differences that add richness to our relationships and teams. Think about your own squad. Are they all just like you? Probably not. And that's a good thing. It's the diverse mix that makes us stronger, more versatile, and yes, even more fun. So here's the challenge for you. Venture outside your typical circle. Make friends with someone entirely different from you. Learn from them and let them learn from you. Just as the Monster Squad came together, uniting their individual strengths, imagine the force you could become by embracing diversity in friendships. Alone, we could do so little. Together, we can do so much. So, who's in your squad? Remember, the most unexpected friendships often bring the most extraordinary adventures. Find your Monster Squad. Embrace the differences. And together, take on the world. And that's one to grow on. Can't believe it. Frankenstein's monster, not Clubhouse. Let's ask him to leave, okay? You're not still scared, are you? Well, he is a little bit gross, Sean. Grabs. I taught him to talk. Focus. Give me a break. How do I be like? Oh, we gotta get an adult. And your dad's a cop, so you if know, we get your dad... Absolutely no grown-ups, okay? To lock him up in a cage or something, or dissect him. Or put him on TV! Bad kid! <laughs> Why are you such a lame-oid? You're the lame-oid. Focus! Focus! 
Well, true believers, we've just had a monstrously good time diving into the supernatural world of the Monster Squad. From Dracula to the Wolfman and all those famous roles and catchphrases, it's been a spooktacular journey down memory lane. But before we wrap up this eerie adventure, don't forget to unleash your inner monster hunter by subscribing to the podcast on all platforms and leaving a review that's as golden as our dear mummy's amulet so others can join the squad. And here's something to send shivers down your spine, introducing our $2 time machine tier on Patreon. For just $2 a month, you'll unlock the power to journey through time with us and get every episode a couple of days early as it's freshly edited. It's like stepping into the past, complete with all the nostalgic chills and thrills. If you're a dedicated fan or just want to support our podcast adventures, this tier is perfect for you. Plus, you'll be the first to hear our hair-raising retro tales. Don't let the fear of missing out creep up on you. Our cup of coffee in the big time tier is still brewing strong at $5 per month, complete with bonus posts, exclusive polls, and the audio show, The More You Know. It's like a warm cup of cocoa on a chilly Halloween night. Feeling the need to share your thoughts with us? It's no trick. Give us a call on voicemail at 727-37-WAYNE or 727-379-2963. You got more to say? Drop us a spellbinding email at radiowayne at gmail.com. For daily doses of nostalgia and a touch of the supernatural, follow us on Instagram and our fast-growing Facebook community under at one to grow on podcast. And if you're up for some spooktacular content, we've got TikTok and YouTube too. Help us raise the spirits on those platforms as well. A monstrous shout out to the artist extraordinaire Greg Goslin for conjuring up our eerie and delightful podcast logo and artwork. Give him a follow at Greg Goslin and bask in his creative prowess. And let's not forget our editing wizard, Stephen Orr, whose podcasting magic can be heard on Just Another Fanboy and various other podcasts. Now, here's some chilling news. We've got another Halloween bonus episode coming up, and it's lurking in the shadows, and three more holiday episodes, Thanksgiving and Christmas, covered in those. And then, Season 2 will rise from the crypt before you know it, covering 10 more topics from the 1990s, including American Gladiators, Saved by the Bell, and Wayne's World, and much, much more. Just a quick reminder, everybody, that Radio Wayne's One to Grow On is a Radio Wayne media production and until next time ladies and gentlemen don't forget wolfman's got nards